0: Every year that word senior pastor takes on a little more meaning. <laughs> but it is good to be here. I thank God for that good sin and the good worship and the good spirit of the Lord that we feel. It's so good to be in Somerville. good to see everybody here. We just love you to death. Joe and I, we're just excited about what God's going to do this week. In these services, good to have Joan with me. I'm so excited about that. She's not been able to travel much lately due to sickness in her family with her parents, but uh, the Lord helped us this week, and she's here, and I'm glad, I'm telling you, I'm glad that she was able to make it the trip. Good to see Brother Roger and Sister Luke here tonight, Brother Andy, Sister Dorothy, and all of you folks, it's so good to see you. It is Memorial Day, and we do thank God for all of those that were willing to sacrifice uh, their lives and their times and service of our country. Uh, That's the reason we're here tonight, the reason we have the freedom, if it hadn't been for our men and women, uh, many of whom paid the Supreme price, and others served just as violently Uh, we wouldn't have this opportunity tonight. All our little boys and girls would have been taken away from us and carried into a concentration camp somewhere. But God's good, is he not? And we honor those that served our country. If you're here tonight and you have served our country, we do honor you for that. But we're all soldiers in the army of the Lord. And I think that's where... The battle is, and I think we ought to remember those that have given their lives in service for the Lord. Here in your church, in your area, some great, great people have gone on to heaven that have served the Lord very bravely and very honorably. We do honor them. But we want to just get right in the Word of God. We want to have church tonight. I'm here to have church. I Like what, brother? You're saying there we're Pentecostal, aren't we? Uh, you're acting like it, the way you're worshiping the Lord and singing, and I want you to just keep acting that way. You know, there's a lot of people, they don't want to be for some reason or other, they don't want to be identified as Pentecostal. They, they, they don't want to. Well, if you don't want folks to think you're Pentecostal, don't put your car on that parking lot. And if you did put your car on that parking lot, you might as well go ahead and act Pentecostal. Because they know you're in here. <laughs> and so it don't matter whether you shout or set on your hands, you're labeled anyway. You know, it's like a little rabbit. Uh, I heard a little allegory one time. said a little rabbit went to the big rabbits and said, I don't want to be a rabbit. I don't want to be a rabbit. And the big rabbits told him, said, son, it's too late now. They've already seen you hop. Say amen. So you're already in here, so why don't you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise And because we love Him and we appreciate Him so very, very much. We're going to go right into the Word of God, going to the book of James tonight, very familiar scripture, just going to preach a very uh, some, uh, familiar sermon to you tonight, but I feel this is the will of God to help someone. In this service tonight, or all of us, I'm sure, need help. James chapter 5, and then we'll go back to First Kings chapter 19. Let's pray. Father, it is such an honor once again to be able to come to this great church, this great congregation that we have been permitted to come and serve with and be blessed with for all these years. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to bless in this week of m- meetings I'm praying, God, that you would help me, help these people, every one of us, touch us in a very special way. Let the anointing of God rest upon your word. Let it rest upon your servant. Let it rest upon your people. And we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. And to God be glory. Amen and amen. James chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. We go back to 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to pick up just a little bit of the story of Elijah and then we're going to go back and recount some other things and bearing out a few truths here that will help us tonight. Chapter 19 of 1 Kings and verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, went for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, left his servant there. He himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree. And requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept under a juniper. As he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals. Crews have watered his head. He did eat and drink, laid him down again. The angel Lord came to him the second time, touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. The Bible said, verse 4 He went a day's journey after he'd left his servant into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree. I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes on the subject of Jesus and the juniper tree. Jesus and the juniper tree. Our text in James said that Elijah, we read the story of great prophets and men like Elijah, and somehow we want to believe that there was some kind of superhuman or some kind of a person that was not exactly like we are. But our text said that Elijah was a man, a man, not an angel, not some kind of celestial being, but a man. He was a man born of a woman and said that he was subject unto like passions as we are. The word passions means emotions and things that happen to us. He was a man That could feel, he was a man that could be affected by the situations around him. We're all that kind of people, aren't we? That we are affected by the situations around us. As we look at the story of Elijah tonight, we want to look at ourselves and and understand that he was no different from what we are. And we were no different from Elijah, man of like passions as we are. And because of that, he was a member of the human race. I am a member of the human race. And every person that lives today or ever has lived or ever will live in the future as a part of this race are subject to human emotions. We're subject to the seasons of life. We go through changes. We go through times of ups and times of downs. We go through our good times and we go through our bad times. We're so, it amazes me, it amazes me how that our faith and our relationship with God, our relationship with one another and our relationship with our own heart and our own mind is affected by whether we're up or whether we're down. We're one person when things are good but it's very possible to become quite another person when things are not so good. I felt today as I was preparing and trying to find the will of God for this service that perhaps, and I do believe, there are those in this house tonight that you're not necessarily on the mountaintop right now, that things have happened in your life, that things have come and situations have come and the day things are not so good. We have folks in our church that right now are going through extreme times of trials and testing in their lives. some who have lost their jobs, others whose families are, 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 have been attacked by the powers and the forces of hell. It's amazing to watch them. It's amazing to see how. That their faith and their relationship with God can be changed by the circumstances. Well, I got a couple of things that I want to tell you. If you're here tonight, then your faith is not as strong as it was when you were on the mountain. But now in the valley, you begin to wonder and you begin to question is God really God? Is God really true? Well, there's one thing I want to tell you. You're not alone. You're in good company. Some of the greatest people that's ever lived went through things exactly like you're going through right now. When we look in the word of God, We look at some of our great men like Moses and David and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, John the Baptist, Simon Peter and on and on we could go who had their faith affected and were affected by things and circumstances that come. So number one, if it comforts you at all, you're not alone. In fact, the person sitting beside you has been there. And the one in front of you has two. But secondly, I want you to understand that situations change us. But situation never changes God. Our situation changes our attitude toward God, but our situation never changes God's attitude toward us. Can somebody say amen? Sometimes we love Him more when the money's flowing in. Sometimes we love Him more when the blessings are being piled upon us. But God never loves you less. No matter whether you're up or whether you're down, but he's very, very faithful to us. Jesus himself went through times of trial. He, he cried out in that garden, my God. He cried out in the garden, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But then he cried from the cross. At the ninth hour, he cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, sabachta come my God my God why hast thou forsaken me but God had not forsaken his only begotten son and God has not forsaken you my friend in fact he has met you in this service tonight to get you out from under your juniper tree hallelujah and he's going to do that but when we look at the story of Elijah what a great man oh my we preach all night on Elijah But, you know, I've never done that in all these 51 years of preaching. I've never preached all night one time in my life. Some folks thought I was going to, but I never did. But there's always a first time. But maybe not tonight. But Elijah was a man that lived on the other side of Jordan. He lived over in the land of Gilead. And and, uh, he was called a Tishbite. He came from the land of Tishbite. Now, the people from the land of Tishbite, they were not college presidents. They were not your educated. They were not your uh, society elites. But they tell us that the inhabitants of Tishbite... the time of Elijah were only about half civilized. They, They were still living in a very primitive lifestyle. But you know this proves to me that a man's wealth or a man's learning does not determine whether or not God calls him. And so God called Elijah the Tishbite and, and gave him a very special assignment. No, 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 you know, uh, the only man in the Bible that I've ever heard of that God called to be a weather forecaster. Now, most of these folks that's forecasting our weather today were not called by God because they tell too many lies. Amen. And they get it wrong too many times. Hey, oh my. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen uh, back uh, our, our weather forecasters back home. They give us a 90% chance of rain and the sun shines all day long. And then tomorrow they tell us it's going to be sunny and it rains from dawn to dark. But Elijah was a man called by God to be God's meteorologist. He crossed that Jordan River. I don't know how that he crossed it. The Bible doesn't say anything about the waters parting hither and thither. Not that time. Maybe he swam the river. I don't know. But he went over and kicked the door down in Ahab's palace and looked at Ahab like a wild man and said, I've come to give you a weather forecast. Said, it will not rain again in this land until I say it's going to rain God has put me in control of predicting and forecasting the weather, oh my let's move on, you know that story time goes on the weather gets dry, the land gets dry, the drought comes, but Elijah's okay because he's sitting down by the brook Cherith being fed by the ravens twice a day bread and flesh in the morning bread and flesh in the afternoon I've heard people debate where the raven got the food don't make no difference to me where he got it just as long as he brings it where I am hallelujah hallelujah to God oh my and so he sits there time goes on after a while and that brook dries up you know that story and he goes down the path, and there's a little woman gathering sticks and Elijah says ma'am what are you doing she said I'm gathering two sticks that's what she said I had not figured that out yet two sticks I'm going to cook a little bread got just enough meal in my barrel to cook one more cake of bread going to cook a little bread me and my son are going to eat that bread and we're going to die he said no you got it wrong ma'am you're about to cook the last meal in your barrel but you're not going to eat it you're going give it to me and I'm going to eat it. You're going to feed me. I'm a man of God. I'm a prophet of God. You're going to give it to me. But what's me and my son going to do? Ma'am, when you put God first, your meal barrel will not run out and your oil crews will never go dry. Hey, what did Jesus say? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Oh, we could preach a little truth here. You eat your last meal and don't give it to God and you just ate your last meal. But you give it to God first and you'll eat today and you'll eat tomorrow and you'll eat next week because when you put God first, then God takes care of you. Amen. Yeah. Woo. God. So she did exactly that. She gave that what she thought was her last meal To the man of God. Fed him, then she went back and looked, and there's fresh meal in the barrel. My God, hallelujah. Can't you imagine? that that last little handful of meal in the bottom of her barrel, it's old, it's been there. She started at the top, worked her way down. There's no telling how old. If you could see the expiration date on that meal, you'd have thrown it out. And say, hey man, if you could have gotten more. But when she went back to look for her and that boy, there wasn't a weevil in that meal, I can tell you, because God had put it there. Anybody in this house believe that God God is still a miracle working God. Is there anybody in this house that believes that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Yeah. Yeah. Man, out had a time. He's fed by ravens. Now he's fed by a miraculous meal barrel, cruise of oil in the home of a widow. In Zarephath, God's taking care of his men. Yeah. But then there came that day, and we don't have time to go through all the story, but there came that day when Ahab's looking for him and he's took word from every nation, they don't know where he is, and Obadiah finds him, and Ahab says, you, uh, Elijah says, you go tell Ahab I'm still here. Yeah. We got a lot of Ahabs in this world that would like to kill all of God's Elijahs. But I want somebody to go tell that anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian uh, uh, outfit up in Washington, D.C., somebody to go tell them that we are still here as a church of Almighty God, brother. And we're not going anywhere. You tell him it's still here. So Ahab comes says, Ahab, it's time for us to make a decision. I worship the God of heaven. You worship Baal. This is destroying our land. This is destroying our country. We're going to have to make a decision. We're going to have to worship one way or the other. Either you're going to worship, we're going to worship Jehovah, or we're going to worship Baal. Do you realize that Ahab agreed to that? He said, we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal is going to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar. We're going to pray And the God that answers by fire, we're going to let him be God. And Ahab signed that treaty. He agreed to that. He's going to break that treaty too, isn't he? going to break that agreement. We'll get to that in a minute. Well, they meet old Carmel. Prophets of Baal pray till through the lunch and afternoon and, and uh, nothing happens and they jump up and down and they cut themselves and Elijah mocks them and says pray louder. He may be on a journey. He may be asleep. You never know about your God. You can't tell. You can't depend on him. But at time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah prayed a prayer less than 70 words and the fire fell burned up the sacrifice, the wood, licked up the water in the trench, the 12 barrels he had poured. Elijah and his prophet killed, or his servant killed, 850 prophets of Baal and prophets of the grove. And Elijah leaves that meeting believing that Ahab and Jezebel are going to repent of their sins And turn their lives over to God. Just you get a hold of that truth. He left Mount Carmel believing that because Ahab had agreed. That the God that answers by fire, he's going to be God. And he left there believing that Ahab and Jezebel is going to be in church next Sunday. And they're going to go to the altar. And they're going to get saved. And then they're going to get sanctified. And then they're going to get full of the Holy Ghost. And we're going to have revival. We're going to have revival in Israel. He's on top of this fed by ravens, fed by miracle meal, fire fell on Carmel. Elijah has agreed to the proposition. Now, now, we're going to see revival in Israel. Woo! I can see him. I can see him down at the Motel 6 or wherever he was. He's shining up his shoes. Probably shampooed his hair. Got his white shirt all pressed and iron. He's just waiting for the call from Ahab. He's just waiting for Ahab to send a servant and say to Elijah, come on down here, buddy. Tell me about your God. Your God, he is God. That was what we agreed on. That was what we we signed the treaty that the God that answered by fire and he's sitting there no doubt waiting for a knock on his door, but he didn't have to wait long because there came a knock on his door. Oh, God, listen, let me tell you something. He's sitting there no doubt waiting, Brother Roger, for Ahab's servant to come. And said, Ahab's waiting on you. He wants you to lead him to salvation. He wants you to lead him in the relationship with your God. And there came a knock on the door and there was a servant from the house of Ahab and Jezebel but he didn't say we're ready to pray. He said, I'm bringing you a message from Jezebel by this time tomorrow you will be dead. The man that can swim the river maybe. The man that somehow gets past all the guards at the palace. The man that's not afraid to stand before Ahab and say it won't rain till I say it's going to rain. The man that can set my Lord one of the longest camping trips you're going to ever find. Man, wasn't that wonderful? Sitting down there by that brook, he had to be fishing. I said he had to be fishing. And uh, sitting down there by that brook of fishing and, and uh, being fed by, he didn't even have to clean the fish he caught. he's just having fun uh, because he's got bread and flesh in the morning. And then a man fed by that man goes to Mount Carmel, praise! And God sends fire. I don't mean, ladies and gentlemen, just a little bitty fire. He sends a fire that's burns up, licks up all the water out of the trenches. Now all of a sudden, there is the sentence of death upon his life. And in a moment's time, he goes from the top, way up high on karma to way down low. Under a juniper. Now, if this juniper tree is anything like junipers I know of, those limbs grow all the way to the ground. And if you're going to get under one of them, you've got to get down pretty low. In a moment's time. In a moment's time. The sentence of death. Some of you have been there. Some of you have been there. You've been on top. You've been blessed by God. And then you go to the doctor, and he puts the sentence of death. You're going to die, or this, or that, or the other. So we run. You say, preacher, why? Because he was a man of like passions as we are. So let's don't, let's don't get too far down on Elijah. We, we're, we're, we're the same way. Amen. Oh, my God, we are exactly the same way. But now he runs for his life. Gets his servant and he runs. And he goes into the wilderness and gets so far. Then he looks at his servant and he said, I want to be alone. Have you ever realized at the time we need people most is the time we want them to leave us alone. At the time when we need church the most, there's the times that we will stay at home. And the pastor calls and says, I missed you in church. And you say, Pastor, I'm discouraged. Discouraged? You're discouraged and you stayed home? Well, just throw another log on the fire. You're discouraged and you miss prayer meeting? I'm disappointed, preacher. My feelings are hurt. And you stayed home? Let me tell you something. When you're discouraged, you need to be at church every time the door is open and ask the pastor to have a special service on Friday night just for you. But he says, you stay here. And he went a day's journey and got under that juniper tree. Now, I'm going I'm to preach to you. There's a couple of things that I want you to understand. Elijah runs, gets weighed down under a juniper tree, number one, because he thought God had failed him. God you have failed me. God, you have let me down. Hey, Ab and Jezebel didn't repent. But let's look at it. Let's rationalize this just a little bit. Did God let him down? Did God feed him at the brook? Did God feed him at Jerapath? Did God sin? Uh, 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 the, the ravens and the meal, did God send fire out of heaven on Carmel and then you go get under a juniper tree because God has failed you? attitude, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care anything about me. Number one, when life goes south, why do we blame it on God? In reality, it wasn't God that broke a promise to Elijah, but it was Ahab that signed a treaty. I agreed to a treaty, an agreement that said the God that answers by fire, he will be God. It was Ahab that broke the promise. Let me tell you something. You prayed. You prayed for that loved one of yours to get saved, but they didn't get saved. They took an overdose and died, and you're mad with God because they it wasn't God that broke a promise. It was Ahab that broke a promise. God was faithful. And I want to talk to somebody. Can I just talk to somebody right now? Listen, I am so tired and so upset of people coming to me and saying, Pastor, I am mad with God. We had a precious man in our church to die, wonderful man, a man that had lived the most of his life in an unsaved condition. A man that would go to church for years but never bothered to pray, never bothered to repent, never bothered to ask God for salvation. But then one day, Brother Roger, comes to our church and he comes to the altar and he gives his heart to God and he's born again, gloriously saved. A few weeks later, he is gloriously baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I remember that message he was talking about and, and I use the analogy that tongues is to the Holy Ghost what a whistle is to a train. And when you hear a train, whistle you automatically know there's power coming down the track hallelujah and when you hear somebody speaking in tongues you get ready for the power and if you hear a train whistle and there's no power coming down that track somebody's faking it somewhere that's what I preached that night and then after living his life without God Now he's saved. Now he's gloriously baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now he loves God with a very fervent love. And he comes down with cancer. We pray for his healing. We ask God to heal this man that many, many years was bound to the habit of nicotine and smoking. And now he's got lung cancer. And he dies. Funeral's over. Glorious funeral. Homegoing of a born again child of God. And some of his family came to church and looked at me and said, you know, I'm mad with God. He let your daddy live long enough to get saved. Come on. Listen. Listen. Before you get angry and upset with God and crawl up under your juniper tree, I want you to remember what God has done for you in the past. Don't forget Cherith. Don't forget Seraphath. Don't forget Carmel. Remember what God has done to you. Many years ago, as a young pastor, late 20s, maybe might have been 30, I don't know. That's a long time ago. I can't remember that far back, Carla. But I remember well. A lady called me one day, her dad, and, and they elderly man in his 80s had served God which th- this was back in the uh, uh, 19, late 70s early 80s and this man had given his heart to God in the 1920s and had served God faithfully a pillar in the church but now things had happened there had been a divorce there had been death there had been things that just, just got a hold of this old man and his daughter called and said you need would you please go talk to my father he had gotten under the juniper tree he had gotten underneath that juniper tree and he wasn't even sure that the God that he had served for better than 60 years even loved him he wasn't sure that the God that had answered a lot of prayers didn't even care about him anymore and, he, and she said I'll go, here I am a young man you know, this god has been serving God twice as long as I've been living at that time ain't nobody I walked in that house, and there's an old man done got down low. And I spoke to him, Brother Broadhead, how are you doing? I'm not good. I said, What's wrong, man? And I'm praying, oh God, you gotta help me with this. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to a man like this. And he said, Preacher. I don't understand it. His words were something like this. I don't understand it. God's let me down. After all these years, it seems like God's just not here. Wow, God's talking to somebody in this house. I sat there and listened to him. He cried and talked about the circumstances of life that had put him in the position he was in. I don't know. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of God speak to me. I'd heard his testimony. He had a great, great testimony of how he had given his heart to God in the bedroom of an old locked house back in the 1920s. And I heard the voice of God whisper to me and said, Get him to tell you one more time about how he got saved. I said, Brother Broadhead, I'd like to hear your story one more time about how you found Christ. He said, well, up the road up there, back in those woods, there's an old log house. He said, preacher, you know where it is. I said, yes, sir, I've been there. Dilapidated, nobody lives in it now. Gone now probably, I'm sure it is. He said, that's where we were living. But he said, we were in revival. Down at the church, I think it might have been a Brush arbor back in the 20s. And he said, people were being saved and born again, and I was under such conviction. And he said, I went to the altar, and I prayed, and I asked God to save me, but I just couldn't get through. Anybody remember what we used to pray through? I just couldn't get through. I just couldn't have the assurance that I'd been born again. But he said, I left that meeting on that particular night, and I walked up that road to that old log house. And he said, I was so under conviction. I had to know. I had to know I was saved. And he said, I went in the back room of that old log house and got down by my bed. And I began to pray and ask God. And he said, Preacher, God came down in that old log house. Gloriously saved my soul, and while he's talking, he's easing up to the edge of his chair, telling me how the glory of God came and feel that. Out. Woo! And now he's beginning to get up as he tells me how the joy of the Lord came, and he said, "Preacher, I felt it when he reached in." took away that old sin, took it out of my life, and the joy filled my heart. By now he's standing. By now there's tears coming down his cheeks, and by the time he got through telling me of the glory of God in the back room of an old log house, he had both hands in the air, and then he began to talk in a language that I couldn't understand, and he got to marching around and around, living room making circles around that coffee table with his hands up praising God speaking in tongues this kid of a preacher I fell in behind him and we're walking around and around and around praising God after a while, I decided the best thing for me to do is ease out the door and leave him alone. Ladies and gentlemen, you can get out from under your juniper tree tonight if you'll just think back and remember the days that God has blessed you abundantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahab, listen, it was Ahab that broke the promise. told him I said I'm mad with God I said well I can tell you one thing sis you're mad with the wrong person she said well who else am I supposed to be mad at I said Adam Adam why am I supposed to be mad with Adam I said it was Adam that did this It was Adam that sold us into sin. It was Adam that brought death on the human race. Jesus Christ came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. It was Adam, it was Adam that Paul said in one man we die, in Adam we all die, but in Christ we are made alive. I wanna know something. Have we got any born again folks in this house tonight? Have we got any folks in this house tonight? You were under a sentence of death, but you found the giver of life and now you're not so now so now Jezebel says I'm going to kill him Elijah broke a promise or Ahab broke a promise to Elijah but he blamed it on God be careful We must be careful that in our times of disappointment, when we are actually disappointed in a man, disappointed in a woman, Ariab disappointed Elijah, Jezebel disappointed Elijah, but he translated that into disappointment with God. And then the disappointment of the juniper tree. You're disappointed with life, but not with God. It's somebody else. And then there is the deception that comes under that juniper tree. I call it the deception of depression. When we are on that lowest limb, our mind has a way of playing tricks on us and making us believe things, even about ourselves, that are not true. He believed something about God that wasn't true. It wasn't God that broke a promise. It was Ahab. But now he believes something about Elijah that's not true. Laying under that juniper tree, Elijah thinks that Elijah wants to die. I wish I was dead. The deception of depression. Now he's disappointed in God, but disappointed in himself. I promise you that Elijah was lying to himself. He didn't want to die, and I can prove that to you. If he'd have wanted to die, he could have stayed where he was, and Jezebel would have accommodated him. The very fact that he's running and under that juniper tree, the deception of depression. I'm talking to somebody in this house tonight. The devil's told you you're no good. The devil's told you you're no count. The devil's told you nobody loves you. The devil told you it's never gonna be any better. The devil's told you there's no way out. The devil's told you you're doomed and in the current state of mind that you're in, you believe that you are the sorriest, the low downest creature that ever walked on God's earth. Ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you that like Elijah, you are lying to yourself. You may be discouraged. You may be disappointed. You may be down and out. But God has still got his eye on you. That God has still looking at you. And God has got a way out. I was in the checkout line at Walmart. Lord of mercy, we ain't been to Walmart since 2 o'clock. We do have to go. <laughs> what did we do before we got Walmart and cell phones? <laughs> I make a hospital visit. That cell phone rings. Are you going to Walmart? Well, I wasn't planning on it, but I expect I am. <laughs> And she says, my mama wants you to get some. make it a little better. But I was in the Walmart checkout line. And I could tell the cashier there was something wrong. The countenance. You could see it in her face, in her eyes. She was not having a good day. I knew in my spirit that I was there at that time and in that line for one purpose i got to pay for the merchandise. But I happened to be in that line because I had to talk to a little lady. And as the folks ahead of me checked out, I'm praying, God, you're going to have to help me. So it came my turn, and by the providence of God, there was no one else in line. And I looked at her, and I said, how are you today? And she looked at me from those sad eyes, and she said, I wish I was dead. I said, excuse me? She said, I wish I was dead. The deception of depression. God's talking to us tonight. Oh, God. I said, no. You don't wish you were dead? She said, sir, I wish I was dead. And I don't know, something going on, something to happen, I wish I said, I'm praying in my spirit. I said, God, what am I going to do here? What, what am I supposed to say next, you know? And I looked at that little lady and I said, could I ask you a question? She said, sure. I said, if a pain hits you on the left side of your chest right now and your breath was cut off and you couldn't breathe, what would you do? I'd say, oh, my Lord, somebody call an ambulance. I said, see, you don't wish you were dead. It's just a deception of depression. I got a call from a lady. said, preacher, I got a problem. I said, what's your problem? She said, I hate my child. The deception of depression. I want to die. Well, just stay where you are. Jezebel will accommodate you. The very fact he was running was a fact that depression was deceiving him. And I don't know who I'm talking to and I don't know what the circumstance is. I just know God talked to me and I'm talking to somebody. The very fact that you put on a clean pair of socks and a pair of church shoes and you got in a car and you drove to this church, and you're sitting on this pew tonight, it's true to me that that voice in your head is a lie. It's not true because there's a reason that you're in the house of God tonight, and you may not know what it is, but the reason you're here is because you are reaching out for help, and there's a God in heaven that's reaching down to help you, and God's gonna help somebody in this house tonight. Disappointment of depression. Disappointed in God when it was really man. Somebody's fixing to come out from Monroe Jr. You hear me? Now listen to me. Now listen to me. I got to hurry. I wasn't going to preach this long. Well, it probably was. just thought it wasn't. There's a lot of things to see. And all of a sudden an angel shows up. At the juniper tree, I, I, this man's been fed by ravens. I don't know what they represent. If they'd have been doves, I'd have said it was the Holy Ghost feeding him. I, I don't know. I just know God was using ravens. This man's been fed by miracle meal. I guess that's something to do with the word of God, the bread of life. But now he needs more than a raven. And now he needs more than a widow woman. I said now he needs more than a raven. And now he needs more than a widow woman. And an angel came. You say, preacher, who was that angel? I believe as much as I believe I'm standing in this building that that angel was the pre-incarnate Christ. The same one that appeared to Joshua when he was going to Jericho and said, I've come as a captain of the host. You say, preacher, I don't know about that pre-incarnate Christ. Well, I want you to know one thing. Nebuchadnezzar believed in it because he said the form of the fourth man is likened to the Son of God. Oh, hallelujah, yes yes, that baby that was born in Bethlehem, that wasn't the first time he ever showed up in this world he came to Joshua at Jericho, he came to Shadrach in a fire and he was waiting for Daniel in a lion's den and he locked jaw. it was the pre-incarnate Christ that came to that juniper tree he said when he was sitting down by a brook, I could send a raven when the brook was dry I could send him to a widow woman's house. But he said, that boy don't need a raven. He don't need a a woman. He needs me personally, and I'm coming. I want to tell somebody tonight, what you need right now is a visitation, a personal, a personal visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. How low? How low will Jesus go to help a man? If this universe—I don't say this—if this, this universe is anything like the juniper we know, the limbs go all the way to the ground. Elijah had to get down on his belly and scoot up under there. How low? Jesus Christ willing to go to help his man under a juniper tree. If Elijah had to get on his belly and crawl under there, then that pre incarnate Christ had to get right down there where he was and get right. Woo! here, are you listening to me? You say, but preacher, I'm on the bottom. Jesus Christ has been on the bottom with a lot of people before. My God, I wish somebody had helped me preach. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. And, he, and he prepared a meal. He prepared a meal and said, get up and eat. And he got up and ate the meat and, and he ate the bread went back to sleep. Hey, hey Amen. You know what? You understand, listen, you understand this. Ladies and gentlemen, he was so intent that he was not going to leave Elijah under that juniper tree Under when Elijah crawled back on. I'm talking to somebody that's been there before. You're there now. You've been there before. And you're say God's gonna give up on me, not this God, not the God that I serve, not the Jesus that I serve. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, Elijah had a relapse. My God say amen. Elijah had a relapse, but God didn't give up on him just because he had a relapse and called back under there. He cooked another meal. found out that God still loved him even after he had a relapse. (laughs) Sometimes we want to tell things. We don't know exactly how to tell them because we want to be very discreet. But a young man got saved in our church many years ago. A sinner. A wicked man. A man deep in sin. A man bound by the things of this world. I remember the night he came to the altar, gave his heart to God. People were amazed and astonished this man gave his heart to God. But oh my, how it hurt. When a lady in our church who had an unsaved husband comes to me and says, my husband was in the bar Friday night when guess who walked in? And she called that man's name that had been saved and born again. He would gotten under a juniper tree, Brother Roger. And she said Woodrow was sitting at the bar when he walked in and sat down and ordered his alcohol. I thought I was going to die. I said, I thought I was going to die. He had a relapse. I said he had a relapse. So you know what God did? He said, just stay under your stinking juniper tree if you want to. No. God got a hold of that heart, And that Sunday, he walked in that church. He said, i got to say something. I said, say it. And he got up and he said, folks, I went back. I failed God. Told us what he'd done. He said, I want you to forgive me. I want the church to forgive me. And I want you to pray that God would forgive me. And we gathered around that man, prayed for him. God forgave him. God fixed him another meal. Woo! another meal and now he's been a great man of God, a great minister, a great preacher still is that my friend was in 1970 or 71, I was a 21 year old pastor he was 24 and he went into the ministry not long after that I've been in my, I'm in my 52nd year and he's pushing 50 years now preaching the gospel because a man that relapsed, God was willing to fix him another meal. You say, what well, preacher, what is that? My God, I got to tell you this. The greatest ministry, the greatest part of Elijah's ministry was after he had his relapse under the juniper tree and after God fixed him another meal my God I wish somebody had said, amen and he sent the dogs to lick up Ahab's blood and the dogs to eat Jezebel's flesh are you listening to me brother and sister Jesus Christ is standing at your juniper tree tonight he's going to pull you out and sit stand. Somebody, somebody move quick. Somebody move quick. Come on, come on, come on. Move quick to this altar.